your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. Bruce Cassidy arrives in Las Vegas. More after this. Hi again, everyone. I'm Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. Hey, make sure that you subscribe to our at Locked On VGK YouTube channel today. And at Locked On VGK, I should say, on Twitter. You could find us there. Of course, thanks for making us your first listen each and every day, especially on a Monday morning. <laughs> it's free and available wherever you get your podcast. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G. And Chris, VGK head coach Bruce Cassidy and his family arrived in Las Vegas a little over a week ago. We found out over the weekend. On Sunday night, Cassidy was on the Vegas PR tour. He threw out the first pitch at the AAA Aviators game. It was high and outside his pitch. Angel Hernandez probably would have called it a strike, even though it was out of the strike zone. He threw a little bit of heat on that pitch, too, which was kind of surprising. But what I uh, what happened was uh, we read an article in the Boston Globe that came out on Sunday. Uh, Cassidy spoke to the Globe about his eventful offseason. A lot to discuss this morning. I want to start off about Cassidy's hour and a half meeting with Jack Eichel. It was in Massachusetts. It was back there. And he said, of course, it's the offseason, Cassidy said, so there's no adversity, right? Had positive feedback from uh, Eichel's first season from the staff and the management here in Las Vegas coming back from the next surgery. Uh, nothing new to report there because it was pretty good. And I thought it was miraculous in his recovery and the way he came back. But he says that he wants to shape Eichel's game more or less as a 200-foot setter, take care of the details, the leadership not doing too much some nights, like in Buffalo. And he said that there won't be the same demands here. What are your thoughts about Eichel perhaps taking some nights off, so to speak? <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting read and trying to um, connect all the dots to what Cassidy is saying right there. Um, I guess starting with the demands, uh, the, the point for that is VGK does have a solid roster around Eichel, whereas with Buffalo, Eichel was the man in charge of carrying the mail every single night. If Eichel wasn't there, that the Sabres really had little to no shot to succeed. So I think that's where we're starting there. Um, what what stood out to me about the comments and kind of scrolling through the article that you just said was the hour and a half meeting, of course, there's no adversity. Like, Okay, I, I don't. Cassidy is coming across as calculated in the things that he says. Kind of a uh, McPhee, McCrimmon just kind of just just goes and, and rambles. But McPhee is very calculated when he speaks to the media and who he speaks to. But that's another story for another time, obviously. And Cassidy is coming across as a very calculated individual who likes to possibly use the media to filter messages through, maybe, and. You know, just saying, of course, there's no adversity. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the off season. like, you know, slow down a little bit, relax here. It's almost like he's expecting 
some type of trouble with Eichel down the line. Maybe that's taking it a little bit too far. But just that statement just kind of shakes me a little bit like, okay, just it's it's August 22nd. Camp starts in three weeks. Let's just, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit. Take the foot off the gas a little bit. I just have a feeling that Cassidy is in Eichel's head. I really do. I just think he's playing some mind games, some tricks with Eichel to get more out of him. I don't know quite, uh, quite what, you know, the angle is for, for Cassidy. Uh, but I just find it interesting, too, because – uh, I would have to believe there's going to be uh, a transitional period without, of course, uh, the Mad Max is no longer around here, Pacioretty. Um, so they're going to so they're going to have to do something right to, to fill in uh, some of those gaps this season. We don't know. We don't even know if Mark Stone is going to be 100 percent healthy coming into the season. So, of course, more uh, will be on the shoulders of Jack Eichel, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's there. there's so many questions right now, and we're going to hit segment two um, about hopefully answering some of the questions about the some of the holes in the roster currently. But, yeah, it's, it, let's go back to the comment about Eichel and a 200-foot player. Like, I really felt he was – the first couple of games back, I thought Eichel, you know, he, he was slow and sluggish, which was expected. He just came off of a surgery set up, you know, basically 100% of the previous season. But after he started to get his legs under him, I did like him on both sides of the ice. I thought he was working hard on the other side of the blue line, playing defense and stuff like that. So I'm not saying Eichel maybe has the um, perspective of being a 200-foot player, but I felt he did a decent job at that for the last season. So again, maybe uh, like you said, Cassidy is just um, uh, Jedi mind tricks and mind games. Hopefully he's not that type of coach. I really hope he's not that type of coach, but certainly using the media to get points across and knowing when he meets with someone, I mean, these players pay attention. They we've learned uh, selfishly that the players pay attention to us. You know, Logan Thompson has tweeted us directly and Logan Thompson actually just tweeted somebody else over the weekend too about something. I forgot what it was, but it was very similar to the situation with me. It was, I, I got to find whatever that was, but point being is the players do pay attention to the media. They pay attention to what is said about them. They pay attention to what their coaches say. So sure. Cassidy is being very calculated right now, fully knowing whatever he says, it's going to make its way to Eichel, make its way to stone, make its way to McCrimmon, McPhee and everybody. And I think um, the PR tour maybe continues through the media. Yeah, for sure. And uh, welcome aboard Sean Burke, who followed us this past weekend, the goaltender coach for the VGK. They can't stay away from us. But, okay, so what we expected and what what we thought, I should say, all along, uh, just that last press conference where the players fired Pete DeBoer. Okay, let, let's face it. I feel as though still to this day, it was led by William Carlson, who had a horrible season, I felt, and he blamed it all, lack of creativity and all that, on Peter DeBoer. Okay, the golden child. Okay, so, but in any event, we found out through this article that the VGK, right, they kept Ryan Craig and Misha Donskoff because the players lobbied for those two coaches. Do the players here in Vegas have too much control? Shout out to Ryan Craig. I was actually watching him on the ice and Henderson just working a coach with or working um 
a practice session with, I want to say they're probably like 14 or 16 year olds. And uh, it's fun watching him. He puts as much into that, I think, as he does with the Golden Knights, if not more even maybe. But um, what was your question? <laughs> My question was, did the players have oh, the too players much control lobby for here? Craig and, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, so Tony, we're learning again. We've, I, I think I've alluded to this in every podcast we've, we've been on or we, we welcomed uh, other hosts on and stuff like that. I really feel these exits interviews are much stronger than they ever have been as far as these, uh, you know, I, I remember uh, working uh, on the strip and stuff like that every year. Um, there was employee reviews where we were re- we review we review the employees and then in turn we had these surveys where basically the line level employees are reviewing us and it's it's a sweat it really is and you know I certainly loved and appreciate all my employees but you know there's some employees that things don't necessarily go well and you got to coach them and sometimes write them up and in a sense you know threaten them with their employment if things don't get better and now that same employee has to come and review me, which personally affects my long-term employment, also affects my bottom line, getting my uh, my bonus and things like that. So, you know, much smaller scale, but it's really the same thing, I guess, at the NHL level. And maybe I'm just the NHL level, but all um, professional sports, but focusing on the NHL side, these employee athletes, GM, president sit-downs, are of grave importance to the future of a coach, especially the coach who may have had a turbulent season. And it's hit, I mean, how much did this team, hate's not the word to use, folks, but how much did this team not enjoy whatever Peter DeBoer had to offer? Because the team knows that they had 500 man games lost due to injury. Like, there's some level of compassion there for that. I don't care who you are on the team. But it still wasn't enough for them to just completely tee off in the exit interviews, whether it's two or three players or six or seven players or whether three or four players teed off and the rest of the players were like, eh, he's OK. Like what was really said in those interviews, Tony? Well, there was a lack of motivation, that's for sure, on the ice because this team was not inspired. A lot of the games, it just came out. They were flat. They didn't play with any emotion And that's got nothing to do with the injuries. Uh, In this article, they talked about the defensemen and how they will play defense in the slide and squash uh, sort of. I've been looking. I'm glad you found that. I've been scrolling my five. I've been looking for that quote because I read that earlier. So yeah, you brought that up. So so what they do, they'll deny the entry at the blue line, you know, and I just want to see some of these players now having to be uh, more defensive. They're going to have to play better defensively. And then in the power play, uh, I think he kind of tipped us off here on what that might look like. Uh, Petrangelo, Theodore, Eichel, Smith, and Marchessault will all have uh, key roles in the power play unit. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, Cassidy, he's uh, he's talking a lot right now, and I, I don't mind that. I, I certainly don't mind that. I mean, DeBoer, DeBoer was a little more cal- – I, I liked the way DeBoer spoke. I, I think I, I've made that point clear a few times. I enjoyed the way he interacted with the media and just the small thing, how he always used everyone's name whenever he was asked a question. Something small I picked up on, whether it means anything or not, who knows. Um, but Cassidy is certainly giving us uh, some insight right now, and we're starting to – he's giving people like us a little bit of fuel to the fire so we can talk on a Monday morning in August 22nd trying to get through a, get through a 45-minute show here. Um, but I'm enjoying what's coming out of his mouth. I'm enjoying the things he's saying. 
What's concerning me right now, though, is if things don't start well after 15, 18, 22 games, what side of Cassidy are we going to see? Because The adversity side. The adversity side, exactly, because there is a adversity side we already know about with Cassidy, which, you know, those same exit interviews, I think, is why he was looking for a job and unemployed for 48 hours, which is really all it seemed like. Um, so there's a side to Cassidy that is going to come out at some point. And I, I think I want to make it clear if we do struggle and if Cassidy does show some stress, if he does show some just uncomfortable discomfort and stuff like that, I'm okay with that because Gallant's Gallant played a pretty even keel. He had a fiery side, but he was pretty even. DeBoer, I don't. I, I think someone could hit his dog on the way to work. And I, I think DeBoer would still be as upbeat and positive as ever because that's just the, how he is. Maybe that's not the best analogy, folks. Apologies for that. But point being, DeBoer was very even. I can count on the number of times in, on one hand I've seen him fire up in a game. And I recall one presser where he got mad and walked out in you know two and a half years of uh, you know trying to keep an eye on this sort of thing. So if Cassidy is the type that shows um, a little anger, that does show a little fire and you know, maybe uh, slams the clipboard a couple of times or hits the podium in a in a presser. I'm okay with that. And maybe BGK does need that type of coach right now. On Logan Thompson, uh, the article alluded to the fact that uh, he could be Cassidy's Jeremy Swayman, who they molded into a pretty good goaltender in Boston. Absolutely. Um, and on that, uh, Cassidy said, in front of the goaltender, you have to check well, said that you have to give those young players the confidence that's how it is. And we know that Cassidy, his track record, he's been very hard on the younger players, uh, saying that they have to earn their way in organizations. Yes. So I'm just curious what that dynamic might look like between Cassidy and Logan Thompson. I mean, I think the goalie in, in NHL is very comparable to a kicker in the NFL. Um, if they're doing their job, making their layups, making their extra points, uh, making their they're 42 yarders with ease. I think uh, everything's going to be fine. Um, continuing with the kicker analogy, if they're making, you know, three out of four of their 50 plus yarders, I think they're going to be okay. Shifting to Logan Thompson, if he's making quality saves, making the saves he should, and not just LT, but any goalie, because well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but the goalie needs to, first of all, make their layups. They need to find a way to give their team a chance to win the game. And if they're giving up softies out there, then certainly that is not uh, that's not the path to success. And Cassidy will certainly I think Cassidy could be the type where he might say something in the media, which basically uh, hangs the goalie out to dry. Not even just LT, but it could be any player on the ice. And that's when VGK fans like, you know, VGK fans want to um, show all this passion for players like Flurry and they're upset about Patch already leaving and, oh, my God, Gallant got fired. And, uh, you know, some people do support DeBoer and all that. But BGK fans, you might be in for a very interesting season that I don't know if some of you are ready for, to be to be frank. I'm not just talking about the success on and off the ice or anything like that. I'm simply talking about a turbulent season. And I'm not saying a turbulent season cannot be a successful season by any means. I am certainly not alluding to that. This could be the type of season where – we're seventh in the, in the division until December. And, hmm. oh, my God, what did we do? What's going on here? But then the tides start to turn a little bit. And all of a sudden, 
you're third in the in the division come you know mid March and you make a run to you know have a comfortable spot in the division and you make a playoff run that that is not out of the realm of possibility for this season and I just wonder if VGK fans are ready for that. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. And Cassidy also did comment on the miniature bust giveaway. Thought it was interesting. He said, what are you going to do? And he hopes that that miniature bust looks like him. I mean, okay, so I guess VGK is in his head. At least maybe the ego isn't taken off yet. I mean, I'd, I'd have a pretty big ego if I got a gold bust, if I if I land somewhere after five minutes. So why not? <laughs> Coming up next. Uh, Chris continues to peck away at new additions, possible new additions for the Vegas Golden Knights. You're listening to Locked On Golden Knights. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, What's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. Uh, The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roadways to save lives. So, If you think you're okay to drive after just a few drinks, then think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride, please. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick in Las Vegas. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And by all means, please subscribe to our Locked on VGK YouTube channel. And uh, Chris, on Sunday, we had uh, our good friends from Professional Amateurs. I really like that name. They do a podcast uh, up in Canada, kind of tweeting and giving us a shout out and asking us about uh, one of the recent podcasts about whether or not we would want here in Vegas John Gibson to be the goaltender. Now we've heard his name before. Okay. Uh, looked up his salary, just 3.3 million, um, 3.19 goals against average last year. A 904 save percentage. Wake up there, Chris. No, it's John Gibson. You're, you're John Gibson makes me tired. I'm bored. <laughs> you think he's a boring goaltender. Is he a serviceable goaltender? Is he better than what VGK has right now? Is he a sir? Okay. Is he a serviceable goaltender? Yes. Obviously, he is a serviceable goaltender. And I don't have staff to back any of this up, folks, right now. I'm simply just going off of my perspective of watching him on the T-Mobile ice for the last, what, four or five years or something like that. Because I think he's been with Anaheim for that long. He's been with Anaheim for a while now, obviously. And he's still only like 29. So he could definitely get a nice 10-year contract, which would gladly give you. 6.2, no problem. VGK would gladly reach his demands. So John Gibson, the positive side about John Gibson, there are nights where he is absolutely lights out. He is the starting pitcher that has that no-hitter bid going through about the sixth inning, and you know they get the first out in the sixth inning, and then all of a sudden there's a little seeing-eye single down the, down the line or something like that. Oh, oh Gar- then, Gary Cole. 
Garrett. Yeah, there you go. And then all of a sudden, boom, the floodgates open. You stamp your fingers and, you know, there's four runs across the plate and he and doesn't even make it out of the sixth inning. And John Gibson reminds me a lot of, of the hockey version of that. Gibson will be lights out for 28, 30, 37 minutes, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, boom, there's four goals on the board before 10 minutes left in the third. Um, is he a serviceable goaltender? By all means. Would he be okay here in Las Vegas? Sure, he would be fine. But I think there are other ways we can utilize our available cap space to address the goaltender position and also do some work on our top six or top nine forward side. Um, could Gibson work? Fine. But is that the best utilization of our of our assets right now? I, I certainly don't think so. Okay, so last week uh, we shouted out some possible potential free agents uh, that could wind up here in Las Vegas. Rodriguez, Kessel, Sonny Milano. Uh, any new additions to your list? Not really. Um, my perspective, there, there's a few different ways VGK goes right now. Nick Haig is still a priority and whatever is whole. I'm starting to wonder if there is a, some more trade talk happening there. What's really going on there? There's. I'm wondering if a sign and trade might be in the works for, for Nick Haig, number one. Okay, so um, so just to, just to stop you there for yeah, one second. Okay, so July 22nd was when the qualifying offers ended. Okay, that expired at that point. So where does that – he didn't go to arbitration. We haven't heard anything. It's been very silent, as you mentioned. So now, yeah, what does happen with Nick Haig? I'm starting to wonder, too. I think VGK maybe is because July 22nd to now, the Leonard news came out after that, obviously. And maybe there is something big in the works because Nick Haig is probably commanding two, five to three, two. Is that maybe a reasonable spot based on his output and age and ceiling? And I'm okay with anything in that range. Obviously, two five is better than three two. I think he'll I think go for can... three. He's got to go for three now. I think you pencil him at Nick three million dollars. Yeah, now knowing what Nick Waugh got. Yeah, uh, I think you yeah. pencil him for three million dollars, and, and that's term? very very safe. And some yeah, term. there's three gonna be years? some term. Three, three years. Three and three is, is fine. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm okay with three and five even. I mean, based on his age, if if it's listen, give him six if he takes two point eight. I mean, I think he can be serviceable for a long time. And if we can sacrifice some term for salary, I think that's beneficial for both sides. Um, kind of going back, I think the path is a bit muddied now for which way VGK is going to go. Uh, let's assume Nick Haig is in the picture. Let's take let's chop off $3 million. That leaves us between 4 and $6 million to work with, depending on what happens with Nolan Patrick. We hope his health, first of all, that's the only thing that matters, but there is a business side of this too and uh, how his health affects the VGK. He's definitely starting an LTIR. I think we can comfortably comfortably assume that. And then I think there's probably some AHL time maybe to recondition. I don't know exactly how that works with his contract and history in the NHL. So let's assume there's four to six million dollars. The first plan, if you sign Paul Stasny, he was, I think, 3.7 last year. He's not going to get that as a 37-year-old, even scoring 20 plus goals. If you sign Paul Stasny, that tells you what they're going to do with Chandler Stevenson, right? If you sign Stasny, you have to slot at least with a healthy VGK. That means Stevenson is probably your line one winger along with Stone and Eichel. I don't know if I like that necessarily, but if they sign Stasny, that's what's going to happen. And then Stasny and Carlson are, are your second and third, and you still got Howden and Wah as your fourth and fifth centers as things kind of shake out throughout the season. 
Uh, the other ways to go with this is looking at Milano, looking at Rodriguez, 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 pardon me. Uh, Rodriguez, I believe was, or Milano was 1.7. Rodriguez was one, was 1 million flats. They're both looking for a page up, obviously, or they would have resigned by now, respectively with uh, Anaheim and Pittsburgh and shout out to Milano. He was the recipient of that just crazy uh, Trevor Zegras over the net pass where he batted the puck out of midair that was just friggin remarkable so that would be fun but he wants to not be known as the guy that received that pass also he wants to be known as the 30 something point uh, scorer that he was last season so I think either one of those players uh, Rodriguez or Milano so if we go if we go Hague Milano or Rodriguez I think that's a real solid way to round out the roster what we're leaving out now is the goalie situation I want to gamble I want to gamble on the goalie situation. I want Logan Thompson to be our day one starter. And then Brassois, whenever he comes into the picture, I don't think it's going to be long. I don't think it's going to be October 1st necessarily, but I don't think it's going to be long. So Logan Thompson, you either have Hutchinson or Patera as the backup. I don't love that scenario by any means, but I want to gamble that Logan Thompson is going to be able to carry the mail and Brassois can pitch in for 15, 18, 20 games instead of having to be getting four or five starts in a row. When Brassois was was starting a lot of games in a row, things went bad. When he was coming in in uh, relief for Robin Leonard, he was fine last year. He was serviceable. If you go out and spend three-plus million on John Gibson, if you go out and uh, Verlamov is still in the discussion, I think he's a $5 million hit. If you go and spend big money on the goalie situation, you might have enough. I say mites you might have enough money to sign Nick Haig. If there's some deal where we have to get Verlamov and then we have to give up Nick Haig, like, come on, what are we doing there? Um, and the other thing is if we go out after a Verlamov or even a John Gibson, you're telling me now all of a sudden Logan Thompson's back in the AHL, unless they were to try and trade Brassois, which is not going to happen. No one's no. taking Brassois right now. Yeah. And the only way we might be able to shed Brassois at that point is by sending him through waivers which he probably clears. And now all of a sudden you got $2 million as your AHL starting goalie. Like, no, I think this is the time when we gamble on Logan Thompson carrying the mail, whether it's Hutch- Hutchinson or Patera backing him up. I don't care. Um, Brassois does become the backup probably within the first, you know, three to five weeks. And we roll the dice and see what happens. If something happens, if uh, the team is performing, but LT is not the goalie, then we address that. I mean, VGK will make a trade. They'll do something. They'll dig up someone out of somewhere. But let's gamble because that gives our roster the best chance of success by gambling on Logan Thompson being an A1 level starter, which he did prove he was in a short stint last year. Okay, so the other day I put on our Locked On VGK Twitter handle an over-under on Jack Eichel uh, points, 90 and a half, I think I put up there. Yeah, most of a the, good, it's, a great, it's a good number. It's a perfect number. Most of the good fans. two-way action. Okay. <laughs> so most of the fans, though, did take the over. Now I'm going to maybe put you on the spot. Logan Thompson, what would be a successful season for number of starts for Logan Thompson? I don't know if number of starts is the metric because it could be – He's the man by by default. Um, so let's just assume let's assume we have a good backup in Brassois being able to do a good job, and let's just maybe assume Patera or someone else or Hutchinson can do something back there. So 
why I'm why I'm framing that is because I want Logan Thompson to have the pressure of not being of being able to be basically replaced, I guess. So that's the way I'm framing my answer. If Logan Thompson has 60 plus starts, I'm hoping that means good things are happening. And it's not simply by default because we have no one else to go to. Um, but I think if Logan Thompson, some way, shape, or form, if he logs 62 or greater starts, I think That's somehow that means good things are happening. Yeah, that's a positive sign. And uh, back to Stasny before we go to break. Uh, but his last contract was close to $20 million for three years. So are they going to spend money on Paulie Walnuts again? <laughs> I think if he – so, I mean, he's still – he's my neighbor. We talked about that in a previous podcast. He's out. He's not watering his lawn this morning, but, um, you know, he's still in Vegas right now. We know that. And I think there'll be a discount if he does want to come to Vegas. Um, you know, can you sign him for a $3 million contract? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm, if they sign him for $3 million, I'll, I'll gamble. If, if, if our next signings are Stasny and Haig, I'll gamble. And the only goalie that we've thrown out there really fast before we do uh, switch up segments here. Braden Holpe is still out there. Braden Holpe was a Dallas star last year. Famously uh, made the, the most historic save on T-Mobile Arena ice, unfortunately. He's familiar with Vegas, familiar with the rink, had some of the biggest games of his life here. And I think his last contract, if not mistaken, was one seven five or or $2 million. It was not a whole lot. So, you know, if we can gamble on him for anything with a one in front of it, and then all of a sudden we have a two-headed horse of Logan Thompson, Braden Holpe coming into the year, then fine, that could be interesting. But again, if Brayden Holpe plays well, that almost pushes Logan Thompson down to the AHL level too, which I guess if Logan Thompson is pushed to the AHL at any point this season, that also says things are going well for the VGK. Coming up next, odds to win the Stanley Cup, according to betonline.net, and VGK, folks, is not a favorite. More after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. Welcome back to Lockdown Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick in Las Vegas. And uh, perhaps a fine is in place for Stasny uh, watering his lawn during non-watering hours. But uh, BetOnline, Chris, uh, BetOnline.net has the latest cup odds. VGK is plus 2,200 below Colorado. The Avalanche at plus 375 to repeat. Below Florida, Tampa, Toronto. Carolina, Edmonton, Calgary, Calgary, the Rangers, the Kings, and the Wild. Would you take a flyer on VGK at those odds, knowing that they still have some available cap space? Um, it's there's a couple ways to look at that. One, if you're a fan and just want to sweat the action, by all means, folks, take a hundred bucks, take out twenty bucks, whatever, because you're getting twenty-two times your return. So throw down a hundred bucks, you'll get you'll get a payout of twenty-four hundred bucks, your original or twenty-three, whatever the number is. You get over two thousand dollars back if you shove a hundo uh, into the machine for bet online, so to speak. The one, what really stands out to me before we even hit on VGK is Colorado's three is plus three seventy five. Repeating is very difficult, although Tampa just did it. And then Florida plus a thousand is the next next line right there. Like that by itself is very remarkable. That's a very lack of respect, not just on for Florida, but all the teams behind. Is plus 2,200 the right number based on where VGK sits? I think so. I'd, of all the teams, I don't think Minnesota should be a better favorite. You're only at, you know, you're only at, um, at two bucks there as far as the difference. 
But every other team on this list, I certainly am okay with, I think. I mean, the Kings, you know, made some good moves in the offseason. Rangers had a great run. The Flames are still a very powerful team now. Oilers are supposedly improved in net. We'll see about that. Carolina, Tor- Toronto, just drop Toronto, though. Take Toronto's to make it out of the first round. Just I don't care. Toronto will never make it out of the first round of the IHL Stanley Cup playoffs. So it, it's fun. I think the number is probably right. This has to be the longest odds we've been to open a season since season one when you could have gotten plus 500 if you were really lucky. Yeah, and uh, the past few seasons, VGK has entered the season as one of the favorites. So now what are they going to look like as far as an underdog? And that's a big question. I mean, I think the underdog role is a little more comfortable than uh, than the the favorite, right? I mean, you look at what happened season one, and even in season one, like it took a long time for the books to catch up, right? I mean, the big move was 500 to 150. And then after that, it kind of chiseled away a little bit here, a little bit there, but they were still always underdogs or small favorites at home. And I'll say this again, me and my buddies, uh, you know, Frank, Chris and uh, Jake and all my you know good work buddies, Josh, we would just be laughing VGK over VGK over. And then even better, we'd be firing these just terrible bets where they would be down in the first period. We're firing on the reverse puck line them to win by two or more goals getting plus 400. I mean, we all, we all got pretty fat that season off of uh, VGK betting. So that was certainly a fun place to be. And, you know, maybe this same thing might happen this year. They're going to be underdogs in a lot of the road games and, uh, you know, reasonable uh, favorites in the home games for a while. And there is some value as far as the futures go. If you do believe in this roster, if you believe in Eichel, if you believe in Logan Thompson, and I think most importantly, if you believe in Cassidy, Go fire, uh, go go uh, make a financial investment on based on your opinion of uh, how BGK is going to do and have some fun and write it up. He almost seemed uh, Cassidy in that article resigned uh, to have Logan Thompson as his starter. And he's like, I don't know if they're going to make any moves, what have you. But uh, I wanted to, on the way out, uh, talk about the World Juniors and that save by Mason McTavish. <laughs> First of all, he lets up a three-on-one, comes back, redeems himself, and Canada wins the juniors. Yeah, that was remarkable, folks. Just simply YouTube Mason McTavish. I'm assuming that's going to be the first thing that that pops up out there. But what a just lucky – but you got to be in the right position, as weird as that sounds, although I don't know how being behind your goalie is the right position. But <laughs> you have to be in the right position to do something like that, and he was. He was the pucks coming in and I don't even know if he got the blade of the stick or the shaft, but you know, certainly amazing luck. And then he clears it out and you had players celebrating shout out to the ref who had perfect position on the play. And yeah, just, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about live hockey in August still. So life is good. Yeah. And in 2026, the world juniors, they announced this past weekend are headed to the United States and Las Vegas will be a candidate to host the world juniors so that would be pretty cool to have that event here yeah i mean vegas uh hockey is expanding i'm getting some knowledge that it looks like in november the shovel is going to go into the ground perhaps for another vgk hsk rink uh supposedly our leading uh area is going to be down by the raider stadium down that area you know by the m and all that um 
I mean, I'd like that for me. That's a short drive instead of having, I got to drive. I got, I got two games. tonight. I had to drive to city national for a nine 40 and 11 PM beer league games tonight. So I would much rather drive to the, the M well, the, the I'll start at the hockey rink and I'll go to the M maybe pull some slots afterwards. All right. That sounds like fun, <laughs> Chris. Uh, thanks again. And we thank all of you. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Again, our podcast free and available wherever you get your podcast. And make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel. I'm Tony Cardasco for my man, Chris Golick. We'll see you tomorrow. Not tomorrow. We'll see you Wednesday. We're on summer hours still. We'll see you on Wednesday right here on Locked On Golden Knights.